Freedom Hut. It's impeachment day. We'll also talk about a letter the president put out that is blistering and somewhat hilarious. That and more coming up on the Buck Sexton Show. This This is the Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. The whole impeachment thing is a hoax. Uh, We look forward to getting onto the Senate. Uh, We're not entitled to lawyers. We're not entitled to witnesses. We're not entitled to anything in the House. It's a total sham. Uh, When you have a guy like Shifty Schiff go out and uh, make up a statement that I made, he said, this is what he said, but I never said it. He totally made it up. In Guatemala, they handle things much more different, much tougher than that. And because of immunity, has House immunity, because of immunity, he can't be prosecuted. He, he took a statement and totally made it up. It was a lie. It was a fraud. And you just can't do those things. So, you know, look, this has been a, uh, a total sham from the beginning. Everybody knows it. I've never seen the Republican Party so united. We've got our last vote, as you know, we got 100 percent of the vote. Uh, I believe the Senate is equally as well united. I watched Mitch McConnell this morning. Uh, I watched uh, numerous people last night, the senators, and I think we're equally well united. They know it's a hoax, it's a witch hunt, and it's just a continuation. It's been going on now for almost three years. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. The president knows what's up. It is a hoax. Now the president joins a very exclusive club of the three presidents in our history impeached. This country's been around a couple of hundred years. It's been through a lot. Some major wars, a civil war, civil rights movement. Had to repel the British after we already beat them one time. We've had a lot of, of historic moments in this country. Put a man on the moon, all kinds of stuff. And here we are now being told that today is historic and solemn. The impeachment of the President of the United States on charges that any normal person would hear and say, what? That's what you're impeaching this guy for? What? For a thing that didn't happen that you can't prove was even supposed to happen the way you say it was going to happen, and that in fact the President could make a very clear case wouldn't even be a problem if it did happen. That's what they're impeaching the president of the United States for. Uh, It's one of these days where you are seeing the psychosis, the mass hysteria of the Trump deranged left on display. You are seeing people who think of themselves as intelligent, wise, fair, ethical, decent. You're seeing them say absurd things that they must know at some level are untrue, but they say them anyway. Why? Because they really, really hate this president. And now he's an impeached president. He was already investigated by a special counsel that did not give the left what they wanted. So now they've moved on to, well, he's impeached. Oh, no. Oh, my. How will we ever handle this situation? 
Let me make a prediction for you right now, my friends. Uh, because as you've probably heard, there are many Democrats who have pulled a Pelosi and they are publicly claiming that they are reluctant, they're sad, they're prayerful, morose, solemn, even, about the sham impeachment that they have pushed through today. But anybody who says that is brazenly insulting your intelligence and making a mockery of themselves in the process. No serious, intelligent, reasonable human being thinks that Democrats are upset about doing this. My favorite thing today is that there's a um, there, there's a report out about how House leadership has a memo to other House Democrat members. Don't cheer now that he's been impeached or as he's impeached. Don't cheer because we're fulfilling our solemn constitutional obligations. Oh, solemn. <clears throat> Nobody really believes this. Nobody believes it. But why then do they say it? Why do they take a position that they can't possibly defend? Well, as you know, Democrats have a newfound love and reverence for the founders and for the Constitution. And it's about as sincere as James Comey telling you that the IG report didn't show any bias against Trump and that it's very serious as, as an issue at the FBI and it'll be dealt with. The FISA court did weigh in, by the way. We will get to that. That's another interesting little bit of information today. But here we are with impeachment and you, you should... For as, and by the way, I don't plan on spending too much time today on the fact that the president of the United States has been impeached because we've been expecting this for how long? We've been expecting this to happen for many months here in the Freedom Hut, really stretching back over a year. <clears throat> and if you listen to Democrats from the beginning, they have made it clear to us that this was where all of it was heading, that there was no doubt that they would impeach this president because... They hate him and also because he's a challenge to their entire system. He's, in, he's a challenge. Trump is uniquely threatening to the narrative that the Democratic Party relies on. That really smart, great people are the ones who want to control every aspect of your life. They want to redistribute wealth. They want to take more of your money in the form of taxation. They want to regulate you into submission. They want to make you say things that are not true. They want to drive God and the church out of public life. They want to eradicate traditional morality. They want to get rid of any sense of meritocracy. They want to replace it with identity politics and social justice and socialism. Trump says these people, the people that want that for you, aren't only wrong, they're buffoons. They aren't even the smart technocrats they pretend to be. They are lazy, self-indulgent, greedy frauds. That is what the Democratic Party is led by. That's who Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and these others really are. And the so-called experts that they rely on, the people in the media who do their bidding, who wake up every day and perpetuate a fraud. That fraud being that there is some neutrality in the reporting that they present, that the opinions that they have don't influence the way they view these events. 
I saw today one of the biggest frauds at CNN suggesting that the difference between the difference between Clinton's impeachment and Trump's impeachment is that Clinton was Clinton was sorry. Yeah, this was this was Tapper with more of his absolutely third tier, third rate intellectual analysis. Clinton was sorry. Clinton got caught breaking the law. And everybody knew it. He had no, there was no defense for Bill Clinton. The Bill Clinton defense was, come on, man, it's not that big a deal. I just want to grab some ladies and do some things in the Oval Office. And that was Clinton's defense. I'm a good president. The economy's strong. And there was no defense. No one was saying Bill Clinton didn't lie under oath, which is a felony. Can't do that. Nobody was saying that Bill Clinton, well, no one who was being honest was saying that Bill Clinton wasn't a skirt-chasing maniac uh, involved in sexual harassment and retaliation against people that brought forward his sexual exploitation of his power while in office. No one seems to care to this day that Hillary Clinton was part of the smear machinery against the woman, uh, the women who came out, because Hillary is such a champion of women, who came out and spoke about what Bill Clinton had done to them while well, he's president of the United States. We all know exactly what's going on here. They can pretend that there's a process, that there's been evidentiary findings, that they've kept an open mind about this. They've wanted to impeach this president since the day they lost the election. They have wanted to give some voice to their outrage through a formalized process. So then they can say, see, there's an asterisk next to this presidency. Not my president. He didn't really win the election and he was impeached. I can tell you this. Democrats will be solemn and prayerful and sad. That will happen. It's not happening today with the impeachment of this president. But they will be all of those things and more starting the morning of November 4th, 2020. That's when some Democrats will certainly be crying. And we who support Trump will metaphorically drink all of their tears and that will taste delicious but they will be crying they will be sad because trump will win and they won't take any real responsibility for this they won't understand that instead of trying to mount a vigorous campaign to convince the american people through the process that we have which yes does mean the electoral college to convince americans to vote for somebody who would do a better job in the job. That's what the presidency is. It's not the manifestation of people's hopes and dreams to make them feel good about themselves, to make them feel safe and warm at night. No, that's what the Freedom Hut is for. No, it's a job. And he's been really good at it. As we can see from every objective measure you could take across the country, he has been really good at this not perfect could be better but very good they offer up bernie sanders elizabeth warren joe biden buddha judge you know mayor of a town of like five thousand. come on okay south bend's a little bigger than that but not that much this is unserious stuff but the democrats are when push comes to shove largely ruled by unserious people, people who are ruled by emotion themselves and then use demagoguery and use all the, the tricks and tools 
of the disingenuous snake oil salesman, of the false prophet, the fake preacher, get people whipped up into a frenzy, convince them things are true that are untrue, and then use them for your own purposes. Lie to them, for example, about the costs of things you want to do, about the trade-offs involved in taking this country even deeper into socialism. Lie to them about all of these things. And then wonder why they don't trust you. This is where we are with the Democratic Party. What will really be the outcome of this? Of course, people are not really paying that much attention. I have to. This is my job. I read about politics and follow politics all day long. For most Americans, they're saying, wait, what? They're impeaching this president based on a phone call that didn't result in any action whatsoever? And how much are they really supposed to care? And as I've said to you, the media pretend to be guardians of the republic and truth tellers, people that present information that we need to be an informed democracy. We just found out that we've been lied to about the war in Afghanistan stretching on for almost two decades now. How much did the media care? Americans have been dying while our leadership lies about how likely this is to succeed as a project in Afghanistan. We know this beyond a reasonable doubt. We have the proof now. But what matters more to these billion dollar plus media organizations? What matters more to the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC and all the rest? that Americans have died while their leaders were lying to them? Or that there's an opportunity to finally give some process cover to orange man bad. We hate Trump. He's vulgar. He says mean things about us on Twitter. The journalist class in this country is full of feckless crybabies. Don't ever forget it. That is, in fact, institutionally now what you get more often than not with people who are journos. They think they're much more important than they are. They think they know a lot more than they do. And they expect you to treat them as seasoned and honorable professionals, no matter how much of a clown show they make of whatever media outlet they work for. And here we are having them all cheer this on. Oh, no, not cheering. Solemn and prayerful. The president of the United States is impeached. Will this really change anything? No, he will not be removed. We all know that. But don't don't skip past without understanding, without at least taking some note of what the Democrats are saying here. If they could remove him from office, they would. If they could nullify an election on a flimsy pretext, they would. Just like they wanted an investigation of Trump based on a flimsy pretext through the FBI, using Democrat-paid-for opposition research and some anti-Trump partisans within the federal bureaucracy. What they have put this president through, what they have been willing to do in order to be hashtag resistance against this president is appalling. And yet he fights on. Impeached Donald Trump. You know what? He should wear it as a badge of honor. We should all walk around. We're all impeached today, my friends. All of us who voted for this president, who believe in him, who appreciate the job he's done, who have come around to supporting him after being perhaps skeptical at first. We're all being impeached today.
because ultimately what the Democrats are doing is not really about a, uh, defending the Constitution and it's certainly not about any crimes or misdemeanors. The Democrats are all at once using the Congress to extend a solitary digit from one of their hands to all of us who voted for Trump, to Trump and to his family. That's what this is. It's petty. It's gross. It's childish. And it's the Democrat Party. That's where they are. That's who they are. Don't ever forget it. They've shown us what they're really about today. Let's not forget it anytime soon. And let's also remember it come November 4th, 2020. Let's remember who we face, who we're up against. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. The president put out a letter that is pretty amazing. <laughs> it's, it's worth a read. Um, there was some last minute effort in the House to try and stop this sham from going through. As we know, it's, it goes through, it's gone through today. Um, but there is a, a letter and he writes this in it, or the president. Perhaps most insulting of all is your false display of solemnity. You apparently have so little respect. This is addressed to Nancy Pelosi. For the American people, you expect them to believe you're approaching this impeachment somberly, reservedly, and reluctantly. No intelligent person believes what you are saying. Since the moment I won the election, the Democrat Party has been possessed by impeachment fever. There is no reticence. This is not a somber affair. You are making a mockery of impeachment and you are scarcely concealing your hatred of me of the republican party and of tens of millions of patriotic americans the voters are wise and they're seeing through this empty hollow and dangerous game amen to that thanks for listening to the buck sexton show podcast remember to subscribe on apple podcast the iheart radio app or wherever you get your podcasts when you're the tyranny of a clock in a calendar nothing else matters it's like what's going to happen here in the holidays is you're getting close to that day and you're supposed to give that gift. Nothing else matters. You just got to go get it. And it's, it's the last minute. If you don't have anything, Mr. Ace, I bet you've done this. You go out and you just buy the first thing you get. And this is what was happening. The clock was running out. So they found a phone call they didn't like. They didn't like this administration. They didn't like what the president did. They tried to make up claims of that there was pressure and all these other things that they've so outlined in the report. But at the end of the day, it's simply last minute Christmas shopping. They ran and found something. They said, we can do it. Does anyone disagree with that? I mean, can I can I debate somebody on on CNN or MSNBC or ABC or you name it? Could, could I debate one of them on this subject just to get them to say, oh, no, no, we weren't in the Democrat Party desperately searching for some excuse to impeach Trump. Remember, it was initially going to be over the Mueller probe. And then Mr. Magoo Muller got up there and was like, I didn't really read the report and I don't really, I didn't really read it. And somebody tell me what's in the report because I didn't read it. And nobody all of a sudden had the ability to claim that the Muller report was this uh, honest, nonpartisan, oh, just just hang it all on Muller's sterling reputation as FBI director. They're like, uh, so Weissman wrote this whole thing, right? Okay. Who we all know is a Democrat hack who hates Trump. Okay. So, so we knew that. Why not just go with the 10? I remember I being on TV with, you know, former Obama DOJ lawyers. Well, Buck, there were 10 counts of obstruction. Really? Why wasn't that? If that was true, 
Why wouldn't that be enough to impeach the president? Oh, because they keep trying to fit something into the predetermined outcome here. They keep trying to come up with some way, some reason to explain this. How do they get to impeachment? What is the purpose of looking at this particular impeachment offense or impeachable offense? They have to have some kind of a narrative. They have to have some way of selling it to people, right? And they keep trying things. Whoop, that didn't work. That didn't work. And now they've come upon this one. I mean, Mitch McConnell all along, all along, has known that this is going to be a strictly partisan affair. Play clip seven here, please. I think we're going to get an almost entirely partisan uh, impeachment. I would anticipate an almost entirely partisan outcome in the Senate as well. Uh, I'm not an impartial juror. This is a political process. Why would anyone pretend to be impartial? You see, there's there's really a comparison here. And I know that people in the media and conservative media, we like to bash rightly so the what we call the mainstream media, which is essentially the Democrat media, because we do we have a partisan media. There's no question about it. No, no one who knows anything really debates that anymore. There are people who are predominantly nonpartisan in the work that they in their work product and what they put out. There are reporters that you couldn't necessarily tell what their politics. But by and large, I mean, all the big platforms, all the big papers, big shows, partisan affairs. And even the people that are trying to legitimately trying to be objective are, of course, subjective. All editorial decisions are by their nature, by definition, subjective. Um, And when people say, oh, but we're just reporting facts, propagandists use facts, too. Facts that are truly about just clear and unambiguous information that cannot be challenged. If you are not going to be accurate with that, then your propaganda won't be believed. I mean, just ask, just look at old, old Soviet propaganda. I mean, they would have to use some truth in there. You know, they could not say that the sky is, uh, you know, the sky is green. There's no, there's no point in that because then you undermine the rest of the messaging. So the mainstream media does do some things correctly, obviously. It's in their interest to do so. But all along, they have been perpetuating a narrative. And the narrative is that they don't have a dog in the fight that they're not here to present one side of the argument or the other. They're just trying to give you the information so that you, the American voter, can make up your mind about what is important and what matters in your life and in your politics. Um, That is a fraud, by the way. That is not what they do. And in fact, they are quite upset when they're not more successful in convincing people to agree with them. And if the lib media had their way, conservative media would just be gone. They don't view it as a counterweight to their efforts. They view it as an obstacle to getting to that utopian society where everyone thinks that Elizabeth Warren has good ideas, where everyone thinks that Bernie Sanders is an earnest guy who understands economics and not a socialist fraud who's a millionaire with three houses, who's worked in public life his whole life. Isn't that interesting? He's worked for uh, the public sector. But the journos have been lying about this for a long time. The Democrats now have tried to shift to defend themselves or at least to create a, a, a facade, to create this, this fig leaf, because no one really believes it, that this isn't all just about partisan rancor. They keep acting like 
these different decisions that they've made, whether it's the decisions involving the special counsel and now the decisions to go forward with impeachment uh, to impeach this president, as we know they have done, uh, that they have to pretend is something other than political because they can't make a compelling enough case through politics for it. So what do they do? Well, they turned around and they say, ah, but uh, this is just about the Constitution. It's about the vision of the founders. It's about saving our democracy. And if you don't agree, then you don't understand the real stakes here. Chuck Schumer, who knows that he's going to have his hands full in the House when this moves to a, I'm sorry, in the Senate, when this moves to a Senate trial in January. Here's what Schumer says. Play three. I believe that if we don't do this seriously and get all the facts out, yes, America's at risk because that will mean we'll never have a real impeachment trial. Because if you can't get the fundamental and basic facts go, going, getting out in the public and for the senators to hear, this president could be further emboldened and future presidents could be further emboldened. Oh, yes. This is about the defense of our republic. It's not about the fact the Democratic Party has gone socialist left and lost its mind. It's about defending the, the foundation of this country from the assault, right? From, oh, external influence, foreign meddling, oh, all these things they get so scared about all the time. My friends, this is absurd. You know it is. You understand it is. But we can already see the way that they are hedging their bets here. They're going to fail in the Senate. So their asterisk, in a sense, it's a tough word to say on radio, will have an asterisk. Because, okay, he'll be impeached, but he won't be removed. Why won't he be removed? What's the reason for that? They need to, all, they need to already prepare, because these are both predetermined outcomes. He has been impeached in the House. He will be acquitted in the Senate. We know this. And then it also raises the question, how worthwhile of an exercise is this even for crazy Democrats? I'm not sure anybody will really particularly care, but they also think of this in the, in the full sweep of history. Democrats like to be able to control the overall narrative, the trajectory of where the historians will take these different stories, right? The, the, the overarching view on the Trump presidency, they assume will be, will be written in 10 years. You know, once Trump is gone, they can say whatever they want and they'll focus in on the impeachment. Here's an example. Think of Richard Nixon. What do people know about him? Oh, all they know is, I am not a crook and uh, that he was impeached. I'm sorry. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he resigned. <laughs> See, it's easy to slip into that. It's easy because I hear other people say it all the time that he resigned from office for fear of impeachment and removal, which I think was probably a safe bet. Um, people don't know anything else about Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon actually created the EPA. Richard Nixon did some stuff that was pretty big, big government, uh, liberal liberal Republican stuff, if you will. I mean, there's uh, and also they hated Nixon because of the role he played in the uh, in the House back during the McCarthy era when there were communist penetrations of the United States government. They pretend there weren't, but there actually were, by the way. You know, Alger Hiss was a Soviet spy. I mean, th this was a real thing. The Democrats have tried to speak about foreign influence in the elections. There used to be Democrats who were actually taking orders from Moscow and they pretend like that didn't happen. It did happen. If you want to know about it, read the Venona Papers, the Venona Project, a top secret United States military 
cable interception program that has been declassified, was declassified in the 90s, where there were people in this country who were in direct communication with the Soviet Union, with the Politburo, with the KGB, and trying to subvert democracy. All these things that Democrats say Trump has done that he doesn't do, and that's crazy to say. Democrats used to do that. Oh, this kind of fits in with what they would with their MO now, right? They accuse you of the thing that they actually do. They accuse you of being a bad guy in a way that they're bad guys. But they figure that they can rewrite the history of the Trump administration. People will forget all about the prosperity, the relative peace, the, um, you know, the benefits of taking Trump's approach to the economy. And it won't be about that anymore. It'll just be about Russia, 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 impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. And they'll just they'll just ram that narrative in the faces of everybody across the country in decades to come because they want to they want to control the narrative, even if they can't fully control it now. Thank heavens. Trump is as much of a fighter as he is and understands who he's up against. Um, Whatever happened, by the way, with the claims that they would only move forward with this if it was a bipartisan impeachment. So they've done it right. Presidents impeached. What, whatever happened, play clip 10, if you would, Marcus. Tom Cole asks an interesting question here. Speaker Pelosi assured us all that she would not move forward with impeachment unless it was bipartisan and unless there was a clear consensus in the country. Neither of those two commissions are present here. Indeed, the latest real clear politics average of polls on impeachment shows the country evenly split with 46.5% of Americans in favor of impeachment and 46.5% against. That is hardly what I would call a national consensus in favor of impeaching President Trump. When half of Americans are telling you that what you're doing is wrong, you should listen. There's also a very important point that you will not hear from Democrats that I, I think we need to make here. If the country was not entirely divided along partisan lines on this impeachment, then wouldn't that also be reflected in a certainty that Trump wouldn't win re-election? If the country were with the Democrats that the president should be impeached and then removed from office, wouldn't there be much more certainty from Democrats that even if this process doesn't work, that he'll lose the the next election? Well, we know that They're concerned about the next election, and that's why they're going through with this process anyway. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy, but it should be quite clear that this is entirely unnecessary. If the American people were with the Democrats, then there's no reason to impeach him. Now, I know they would say, oh, but he's going to get foreign help or something. I mean, they'll create some delusion here. But we know that they're scared. We know they think that they're probably going to lose that next election or they're very concerned they will. You know what justice would be? Justice in all of this would be the president of the United States getting reelected, Donald Trump spending four more years in office, and all these leftist commie jerks having to just wallow in their tears and self-pity and lies and childishness and their undermining of the very norms they pretend to defend and protect in this whole process. That is justice. So the good news is there may be justice here. 
after all they've put Trump through, after all the all the lies, the smears, the deep state coups, all of the stuff that we've seen. Justice would be those people. Those people having to deal with the fact that Trump is going to be president for four more years. Oof. I can almost I can almost taste it. Oh, it smells so good right now, doesn't it? Four more years. I think that's what we're heading toward. And, and in, a, in a sense, there's a great irony here. I believe that the impeachment of Trump today is, in fact, going to be looked back upon by both sides of this fight as a major help to President Trump getting reelected. I do believe that. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. We're not concerned with poll numbers. We're not concerned with the political implications. We're not concerned with the impact on the 2020 election. We're concerned with the Constitution. We're concerned with abuse of power. We're concerned with the undermining of our national security. And we're concerned with the effort by Donald Trump to corrupt our free and fair elections. Um, you know how Democrats complain all the time about how they say that Trump lies? They're all lying to you about this. He said that was uh, Representative Hakeem Jeffries. We're not concerned with the political implications. Anyone want to defend that statement? Anyone, anyone have a little debate with me? I mean, anywhere, any place, any time, anybody in the media who wants to have this argument, they really want to make the claim the Democrats are not concerned with the political implications. This is unbelievably weak stuff. It's embarrassing. It's a, it's not just a lie. It's a stupid lie. This is one that Pelosi has been telling, Schumer has been telling, Schiff has been telling, Nadler. It's a lazy lie from them because there's no way that anybody could believe it. But they keep saying it. And you have to wonder at some point, who are there people? Maybe there are Democrats who are so simple in their understanding of politics, who are so pathetic when it comes to their judgment about who these people in elected office really are and what they really stand for, that they think that this is true. Oh, it's not a political process. It is, it is an explicitly political process, and politicians are running it. And we know that politicians, first and foremost, maybe they care about donations more than anything else, but they care about polls a lot too. Oh, but they don't care about polls. They don't care about politics. They can't even be honest with the American people about how much they hate Trump and what's really driving this. They are running an impeachment that is a sham and they are lying to you about it at every step of the way. And then they're willing to turn around and say that the problem is Trump's dishonesty and the dishonesty of his supporters who think that this entire thing is preposterous. I think you could describe today's impeachment as an as an unfunny joke. Um, but like I said, there's just a very there's a very strong feeling I have. The Democrats will not celebrate this day. They will rue it. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I admired President Clinton when he was president of the United States, and I still do today. But when this House impeached him, which I didn't agree with, I went to the House floor and I said I thought what President Clinton did was wrong. 
because moments like this call for more than just reflexive partisanship. They require honesty and they require courage. Well, do Democrats have either of those things right now? I think we all know the answer. <laughs> Let's get to our friend Ned Ryan, who is up, up in here, up in the hut today. He is the author of the new book, Restoring Our Republic. He's going to tell us how to do that. He's also CEO and founder of American Majority. My man, Ned, what's up? Hey, good to be with you, Buck. That is one of the most absurd clips I've heard. The, the, the last thing Democrats have been has been honest or factual or anything. I, I made this point uh, on, on Tucker the other, the other night that the Democrats have set themselves above the Constitution, right? They've been dishonest about the whole thing. They defy the will of the American people. They've denied the peaceful transfer of power. They have done nothing but attack and try to undermine the duly elected president of the United States for the last three years. And they're being deeply dishonest. Oh, this is, this is so hard for us. This, we're, we're approaching this very prayerfully. Bull crap. You've been doing, wanting to do this the moment he walked out, came down the escalator, the moment he was elected president of the United States. You've been trying to impeach him. So spare me the false sanctimonious hypocrisy. Let's get down to it. Go ahead and vote on impeachment. Vote yourselves out of the majority for 2020 and let's get on with it. Uh, this is from Axios today in one of their uh, you know, email blasts. House Democratic leaders told caucus members not to cheer or applaud during today's impeachment vote totals. And Democrat members described the day as sad and solemn. Uh, one Democratic member from a Trump one district said the instruction is don't cheer Keep it solemn. That's a quote. <laughs> I mean, this is a clown show, but I mean, just watching, you know, these sham hearings, watching the whole process. This is an embarrassment, I think, to, 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 to us as a country, but it's a, certainly an embarrassment to the Democratic Party. I mean, the fact of the matter is, OK, you can talk about this. You're going to impeach him. Great. What next? You 31 Democrats out of Trump districts. What do you think is going to happen next? You think that you're actually going to continue on in the House come January of 2021? Probably not. The fact of the matter is Donald Trump's going to sail to reelection. He's going to be acquitted by the Senate. I, I have to tell you, I wrote a piece over the weekend, Buck. The Senate had better allow Donald Trump to call his witnesses and give him due process in this entire Senate trial because he has been his rights have been massively abused over the last three years. Give him his witnesses. Give him his day in court. Let him have due process. But he's going to get acquitted. He's going to go on. He's going to win reelection. The question is, by how much? Is it 350 electoral votes or more? Uh, I think the Republicans are going to take the House back. I think they're going to keep the Senate, maybe even add to their seats in the Senate. And they're going to keep reforming and changing the federal judiciary. My only hope, Buck, is this, that come January of 20. 21, that we actually have real leadership in the House caucus, Republican House caucus as speaker. I can kind of live with Mitch McConnell if he continues to push through and confirm these federal uh, judges. But, uh, you know, this is going to end very badly for the Democrats. I can guarantee it. Well, I want to ask what you think should happen in the Senate. You know, what 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 should Mitch McConnell do here? Because I worry that that the Republicans still in the Senate in particular, don't realize that we are in a time of wartime conservatism. Yeah. Like we, we can't do this. Oh, but we're better than they are. So we're going to play by rules that they break and we're going to hold back in places where we don't have to. We're just doing it to be nice. I, I, I want a slow, painful, soul-sucking Senate trial in which you bring in everyone. You bring in Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Glenn Simpson, James Comey, James Clapper, John Brennan. Heck, you bring in some of these mainstream propagandists, 
put them under oath and ask why they were involved in pushing one of the greatest scandals and hoaxes in American history. Let's have a real trial. I, I'm not for what little Lindsey Graham out of South Carolina said. I, I, I don't want any witnesses in a Senate trial. Well, how the heck is that even a trial? Uh, he deserves, Donald Trump deserves to have witnesses. We make this as painful as possible, put them under oath, put them on national television, and hammer away at them. Because I think it, the American people deserve this, Buck. They deserve to understand what has happened over the last three years. This has been a massive abuse of our surveillance state, massive abuse of our law enforcement regime. And it's been a conspiracy theory that's been pushed by the mainstream media. The American people deserve, deserve answers. And Republican senators had better man up and stop sniveling and do the right thing. Now, now I know, Ned, I want to get to your book, and we're speaking to Ned Ryan, author of Restoring Our Republic. But Ned, you you work with people to learn how to uh, run right. for office, right? I mean, you, you actually train people. You yeah. you're, you're on the uh, working at the front lines, the grassroots level, on all this, and also are very tied in in the D.C. area with you know the polls, the pollsters, the consultants. I mean, you know where this stuff is going. Uh, where where do you put your confidence level right now that that Trump is where he needs to be for reelection? Well, I have to tell you, Buck, I, I, I'm a poll skeptic. I am. I think they're used as a lot, a lot of times as political weapons. But when you are 22 points underwater on impeachment, as Democrats are, with independent voters, that's a very they should be terrified of that statistic alone, that in, this impeachment stuff is not playing well with independent swing voters. I think that's that really does kind of forecast where I think we're headed in November of 2020. But you're right. No, we do. American majority. We train people how to win. Politically, uh, one of my mantras that I give at American Majority Trainings is politics is policy. We can have all the greatest policy ideas in the world, but unless you win politically, you're not in the right place to actually implement policy. So we teach, we teach them, you know, campaign plan, how to raise money, all of these things that gets them in the place to win politically so they can implement the right ideas. But I have to say, I'm feeling pretty confident, honestly, looking at some of the statistics, especially as it deals with independent swing voters, because everybody's kind of gone into their own camps, right? Democrats, you know, Donald Trump is bad, big, bad orange man and Republicans are going, I can't even believe you're doing this stupidity. It's going to come down to these independent swing voters and Democrats are getting hammered in the polls by uh, with independents. I'm just going to say, I, I can't imagine anyone who isn't already an anti-Trump ideologue seeing what's right. happening in the country and saying, yeah, you know what? Let's put the commies in charge. <laughs> I mean, this is what it's about. I mean, this... I tell people, regardless of who wins the Democratic uh, nomination for president in 2020, Bernie Sanders already won, right? All of the crazy ideas that are being basically embraced by every person on that stage, including Joe Biden. So spare me the, the fact that Joe Biden come, you know, is kind of a moderate. He's not. He's embracing all these ideas. I mean, they are embracing a far left socialist and I would say un-American ideology. It has nothing to do with our traditions as a republic. Um, and, and, and at a certain point, the American people are going, how does this actually benefit me? Because I'm interested in jobs. I'm interested in wages. I'm interested in good trade deals. I'm actually interested in you securing our border. All of these things that a lot of the American people are thinking about. Democrats are talking about all these crazy ideas, which, by the way, Buck, I did the I did the math. All of their ideas if put together over the first 10 years would be north of two hundred trillion dollars. It's insane. I mean, you, I don't even think there's enough monopoly money in circulation on the globe to actually pay for this stupidity. I mean, I got two hundred trillion in the couch cushions. I don't know about you, but you know, I'm I'm very I'm a very good investor. So tell me about uh, yeah. your book, uh, Restoring Our Republic, which is out now. I'm assuming people can get it on Amazon. Yep, they can go to Amazon, go to Amazon, grab a copy. You can get it in time for Christmas. It was really the, the genesis for it. I've talked about a lot of the ideas that you'll see in the book. 
But it was really beginning of the years we're facing this aggressive socialism in the Democratic Party and it's being promoted. And it's not being ostracized. And, and I was like, we should have a defense. We need to have a defense. We know the socialism is bad, but what are we actually defending? What are we fighting for? And just kind of going back, because I think our school system, our education system has completely failed us on what our real American history, what civics really, you know, all the things that have made us a great nation, a great republic. So that was kind of the genesis. But also, I think what we're experiencing today right now in D.C. Buck is really the, the final tension is breaking loose that's been building for 100 years. And I make the point in the opening chapter, you know, founders versus progressives. Progressives dropped an administrative state inside of our constitutional republic. And that tension at some point was going to break to the surface. And it happened when this guy named Donald Trump shows up and goes, I'm the duly elected president, the constitutional republic. I'm the one that makes the decisions in my administration on domestic and foreign policy. And these administrative state actors, these unelected, powerful bureaucrats said, no, we don't think so. That's not how it works. And in fact, you could kind of say they've been right, Buck, over the decades. Congress has ceded control to them. I would argue the executive branch has ceded control and said, well, you can be in charge of a lot of these decisions. And Donald Trump said, no, I don't think so. That's what this is about. This is ultimately, if you were to say, Ned, describe in one sentence what we have been experiencing, what all this craziness has been about. It's about who decides. It's the duly elected president of the United States who decides. And at some point, we have, to, we, we have to have that conversation as a people. Do we want to have a constitutional republic, or are we just going to give in to an administrative state, which puts us on the path to statism, which, of course, puts us on the path to socialism. So it's really just, Buck, the book is, is kind of where did we come from? What was the founders' vision for it? What are the pieces of the machinery of the republic that they put in place? And how do we get back to it? Ned Ryan, everybody. The book is Restoring Our Republic. It's out now. Ned's the CEO and founder of American Majority. My friend Ned, when am I getting invited out to the Ryan Farm to go shoot some stuff and eat some steaks? we, we, we've got to do it. We, we, we've got to make it happen, get you out here and get some of the other guys, and we'll go. Uh, we'll blow up some stuff and, and have a great That's time. Right. So we'll make it happen. The, uh, the, the Trump Hotel Squad. <laughs> we'll, we'll, <That's> all, right. <laughs> we'll all show up out there. Ned, man, have a very Merry Christmas. If I don't get a chance to talk to you before then, we'll talk to you in the new year. Same to you, Buck. Take care. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All you can say, Chris, is that now Christopher Steele has to be added to the long, long list of people who have been unfairly and inaccurately vilified by the president as being supposed political enemies. Um, The simple fact is he has had a long, I I read in one piece of reporting, seven-year relationship, friendly relationship with uh, Ivanka Trump. That is not the stuff that leads to someone out there plotting to to overthrow the president or or to try to drum up that information uh, for that purpose. There you have hopefully soon to be uh, prosecuted for felony. Andy McCabe, who was the acting FBI director after Comey got fired. He's Comey's little mini-me, little mini-me McCabe. Oh, Comey got fired. So sad. He's on CNN. I was paid contributor because really CNN is the place you go when your deep state coup against Trump fails. CNN is there to catch you when you fall. Oh, you got fired in disgrace because you hate Trump so much and you're a, a partisan hack. Come to CNN. We'll pay. We'll put you on TV. Nobody asks you any tough questions here. Chris Steele has been unfairly vilified. This is the former FBI director who is. And remember, this is about the dossier, which Christopher Steele was the author of. Former FBI director saying that a foreigner 
using Russian subsources that he did not verify, put together slapdash and shoddy oppo research, and then used his connections in this country to run it through not just the media, but also through the FBI. Trying to this, by the way, this is foreign influence in the election. I don't know how anybody misses this. Steele is a foreigner who tried to throw the election against Trump for Hillary. He said this. We know this. And his stories are crap. $19 billion for Carter Page. I, this is this is like Dr. Evil saying, you know, I want one million dollars. Like, it's just absurd. It's so dumb. And yet he put it in this little report. They said it's raw intelligence. It's also called rumors, folks. Rumint, we used to call it. Rumor intelligence, also known as not intelligence. And McCabe is saying, telling here, bro Cuomo, bro Cuomo's like, hey, McCabe, you FBI director. What do you think? You want to come see the gun show with me? That's right. Prolonged creatine, boom. Bro Cuomo in the house. Uh, but he he's letting Andy McCabe say this. Of course, not not challenging him at all. How is Chris Steele being vilified? He lied. He lied. Or he peddled lies. He also broke trust, broke faith with McCabe's old organization, the FBI. Wasn't supposed to go to the media, went to the media. They had to terminate him as a source. Because he's not supposed to do that. Why is he not supposed to do that, by the way? Because at least... When it comes to the rules, people understand that if you're going to be an FBI source and you're going to run that same information to the press, maybe you have a motivation. Maybe you're not just doing your duty to help law enforcement in a friendly nation. Remember, this guy's not even an American. He's a foreigner. And he used Russians as the source of his information. He was the, the focal point for a Russian disinformation campaign and yet they seem to think that it's unfair that he has been vilified you know who hasn't been vilified yet any mccabe why on cnn have they not yet asked him hey why'd you lie to your own inspector general you're the fbi director shouldn't shouldn't more be expected of you why'd you get fired why are you out after a whole career there shouldn't more have been uh Expected of somebody who spent decades making decisions, by the way, that led to people being sent to prison for long periods of time. But there's a lot of self-pity making the rounds these days for the uh, the deep state crew. Lisa Page, who wants you to know she is not a partisan. She's not some deep state left wing lib. Uh Uh-uh, no way, no how. Lisa Page goes on as her first major interview Rachel Maddow's show. Rachel Maddow's show. Oh, because she wants to be honest and she wants the journos to uh, treat her as such, right? Play 17. I mean, it's it's really one of the more painful aspects of this entire two years. I mean, the president's attacks and assaults are one thing, but this is my institution. This is my Justice Department betraying us and... You know, there's there's an element of 
or at least as a claim that well, this is congressional oversight and we had to do it. I have been a part of both of these institutions for a long time, and I know what it looks like when you're trying to when the department is trying to protect people and protect information, and I know what it looks like when they're not. There were plenty of ways to fulfill their congressionally mandated oversight responsibility without politicizing our messages, without shoveling them out in the way that they did. Why do you think they did it? Well, my speculation is because this was not a great time for the Justice Department. Oh, she didn't do anything wrong here. I mean, we know she had an affair. She was married. Struck was married. But like, that guy struck. I remember when he gave his testimony in the House. He was indignant. Guy's a weird guy. Imagine that guy gets to sit down and interview and decide if you're going to prison or not. Oof. He's a weirdo. Um, but Lisa Page, uh, she put messages on official FBI devices that were relevant, entirely relevant, to her conduct involved in, in, in investigations of that president. And she thinks that that information was supposed to be suppressed. She thinks that we're not supposed to know that Strzok and her had this back and forth over how they're going to do everything to stop Trump from getting elected. These are people investigating the president's campaign. Can you imagine if what she said, she's apparently a lawyer, but not a very good one or very ethical one. If the DOJ did what she claims or she seems to want them to have done. Suppress that information. Imagine if that ever came out after the DOJ had suppressed it. Clear bias. Strzok and Page were biased against the president of the United States. No serious person can deny that. Even the inspector general of the FBI said it. And we're not allowed to know that? Sorry. You know, the FBI puts out a lot of stuff about a lot of people. A lot of people get embarrassed by FBI investigations. Very interesting when the shoe's on the other foot, when the people who have been doing the investigating and the life destroying, all of a sudden their conduct comes into question. They expect, because they're good little deep state automatons, they expect that this is supposed to be a different set of rules for them. Sorry, Miss Page. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. It appears Leader McConnell, after going on Fox News has already made up his mind about the Senate impeachment trial. It's clear that Senator McConnell wants to use the Senate to help participate in a cover-up. Participate in a cover-up, Schumer says. Oh, they're just going to keep trying this. They're going to come up with new and scary-sounding phrases. Uh, I wanted to have my friend Mike Slater weigh in on all of this today, friends. And in case you didn't already know, and you should... Mike has now joined us on Pluto TV's The First, Channel 248. The Mike Slater Show is now alongside the Buck Saxon Show, the Jesse Kelly Show, for the place where the coolest shows ever are now uh, now have a home. Welcome, by the way. Buck, how are you, brother? Good to talk to you, man. Uh, so what's it like to be doing a, a show to be part of the first, but to be doing it from the, uh, what, San Diego area? I mean, are, are you, is it okay? Are you okay with all the 75 degree weather there right now, buddy? Is it going to be all right? <laughs> yeah, the, the only bad thing about it is it's hard to get in the Christmas spirit, but that is a small price to pay for 75 and sunny year round. Is it, is it acceptable to do a little Christmas palm tree and put some lights on it? Or is that considered gauche? 
No, you can definitely do that. I used to live right near the beach in a little tiny little hut. I hope you don't have this vision where I had like a grand mansion on the beach. A little tiny, little tiny apartment. But uh, they used to set up Christmas trees on the beach and decorate them. So they, it still works in the sand, just the same. There we go. So tell us a little bit about, just for people who don't know, my, my friend Mike Slater, what do people need to know about your background, my friend? I mean, if they're going to check out the show, who is Mike Slater? Yeah, well, uh, geez, where to start? Uh, went to Yale. Don't hold that against me. I was like the conservative guy on campus. Um, man, and it's, it's changed even in the last, uh, I graduated 12 years ago. It's gotten even crazier. It was pretty crazy back then, but it's uh, totally out of control now, as you know. Uh, so I lived in, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, moved to Jackson, Tennessee, because I had to get to the South and be with good people. Uh, I learned a ton living there, met my wife. And then we uh, moved out here to San Diego, been here for uh, eight or nine years, maybe now. And since then, we have uh, two kids and a third one coming up on the way. Oh, congrats on the third kid, by the way. And and I should just note Thanks, that man, yeah. Mike and I, we go we go quite a ways back. We are Blaze Brothers. Man, they can't keep us apart. They, they bring us together and they try to separate us and we come back together, as it should be. When people love freedom as much as we do, Mike, it just <laughs> is inevitable that they will unite and join forces once exactly. again. Exactly. So speaking of people who love freedom, um, and actually, how about this? Speaking of people who hate freedom, Democrats impeaching the president today. We just talked to my man, Ned Ryan, about it. I've been running running my mouth about it, as radio hosts do, for quite a bit. I just, you know, like, do you think we're even going to care in a week? No, no, no. No, this is all monumentally stupid. And especially because, as you've said a billion times, uh, the Senate is going to take this and do nothing. The problem is there's a lot of people out there who don't understand how it all works, and they think impeachment is the end-all, be-all, and he's not going to be president tomorrow. Um, so uh, that's most people don't understand that there's still a trial to take place and that the you know two-thirds and all this stuff. So uh, people need to figure that one out. But this is the big thing. I, th- I thought this from the second this started. I said, what are you Democrats doing? This is going to help Trump. Trump is going to use this, and he's going to use this against you, Democrats, and certainly against Biden. And it's just going to embolden all the Trump supporters out there. Uh, I think this was a wild miscalculation from the Democrats from the jump. You think that the Senate's actually going to make them pay the price a little bit? Yeah, I don't know. What, what, do, you, what do you think's the best tactic for the Senate? I mean, I, 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 my first thought was you just... I have low expectations quick. on it. I, I think they're going to just kind of go through the motions and get it done with quickly. Yeah, like they give it like I don't even know what that means. Like two days. Like I don't I don't, I don't even know what quickly means. But just be done with it and, and move on. But uh, the Democrats think that hanging an eye around the president's neck is going to hurt him for reelection. But I don't think it will at all. It just it fits his narrative perfectly, right? His whole narrative was I got to go up there and drain the swamp. I got to be like Samson and tear down the temple. And look at what the swamp's done to me now. I, they've impeached me for no reason. They've impeached you. And they're just gonna, Trump's going to use it for his own benefit. So I, am, I say more the merrier. I think today's a great day for Trump and for Trump supporters. Mike, is it true that you are actually the nicest guy in radio? Because there's a couple other people that I feel like are neck and neck with you. Oh, wow. That's a fine compliment. I'll, uh, I'll take that. I don't, uh, I don't do much on the, the whole anger, get mad at people thing. So that's probably right. I got to say, I like it. I like it. Yeah, everybody. Mike's a super nice dude and a very smart dude, and he's got a great show, and he's now on the first, and you should all check it out. And uh, he'll be on every day. So it'll be Buck Sexton, Jesse Kelly, Mike Slater. Jesse Kelly's going to make fun of both of us, so at least we'll have some solidarity about that, Mike. That's exciting. Yeah, he's the ruthless one. Yeah, he's, oh, for sure. I mean, hilarious and ruthless. For, for That's Jesse. <laughs> and, and eight feet tall. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I'll read Jesse's tweets, and I'm like, oh, man, like I could never say that. 
Uh, so he he does not hold back. I will tell you, at, at a former employer, I actually got in trouble once just for replying to a Jesse Kelly tweet. <laughs> <laughs> they want you to have nothing to do with. They're like, they're like, do not do oh, that. I'm like, but I love Jesse. Oh, it was good times. Good times. <laughs> funny. All right, everybody, check out Mike Slater's new show. He's on the first channel, uh, 248 on Pluto. Two, uh, on Pluto TV, the first, Channel 248. And also you can download his podcast on iTunes. The Mike Slater Show. Mike, hang 10, bro. Go catch some waves. We'll talk soon. (laughs) Thanks, brother. We'll do it again. Later, bro. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I know we spoke a bit about the uh, former FBI employee, or former FBI uh, director McCabe and how he says that Steele was unfairly vilified. We've also talked a little about Lisa Page, who's now a victim. I'm still amazed that this uh, uh, this now resigned in disgrace congresswoman has managed to pull. I shouldn't say amazed, but there's just a part in that goes, oh, here we are. Uh, she had a an affair with a staffer who worked uh, as a subordinate employee, and she clearly violated House rules in doing so, but now she claims that right-wing media um, ruined her life and uh, and you know smeared her and destroyed her and that's why she had to leave her her job what was representative uh, Katie okay what was her last name again I don't remember it's been such a Katie Hill Katie Hill that's right Katie Hill yeah she's now said that she's a victim of the right-wing smear machine she might as well say that she's going to dedicate her life to fighting the NRA because that's that's the other move um, I'm waiting for McCabe to say that by the way but there's a Another story that I, I think you're not going to hear much about today, because it's impeachment day, uh, that the FISA court itself, right, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court, has given a public rebuke, a rebuke to the FBI. It looks like they do have a problem with what happened here. Here's what we got. The secret federal court that approves orders for conducting surveillance on suspected foreign terrorists or spies is on NBC News today. Uh, issued a highly unusual public rebuke to the FBI, ordering the agency to say how it intends to correct the errors revealed last week by a Justice Department report on one of the FBI investigation of Donald Trump's, one aspect, rather, of the FBI investigation of Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. Um, Rosemary Collier, presiding judge in the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, said in the, in the unusual, we keep hearing unusual public order, that the report calls into question whether information contained in other FBI applications is reliable. She ordered the FBI to explain in writing by January 10th how it intends to remedy those problems. Collier said the FBI's handling of the case was antithetical to the heightened duty of candor required by the law that established the surveillance court. Judges on the court rely entirely on the government's submissions because they're the only documents the court sees. The the government has a heightened duty of candor. Let's just explore this for a second. There's no opposition in this process whatsoever. It's the government talking to the government, right? There's no opposing counsel. There's nobody. There's no one in this process whose role is to keep it from spiraling into some kind of, oh, witch hunt hoax situation, uh, except the judge. But the judge is just relying on whatever the government tells them. The, the judge has no way of verifying this one way or the other. 
And it's a super low standard. So the FBI is essentially had to go to the FISA court and say, hey, here's some information we have. We really think this person may be a spy, let's say. So we need to run all their, we need to do surveillance on all their comms, you know, approve this. And the, as we know, the FISA court approved basically every submission they get. Every submission the FISA court gets, they approve. More or less. With very few exceptions. And so now the story you're being told, the narrative is... Oh, they need to reform this. There must be a lot of mistakes made in FISA all the time, just like the terrible mistakes, the 17 major omissions, errors, and remember, one just fraudulent, fake uh, act taken to try to get the uh, FISA renewed on Carter Page. With all that going on, right, with all of that happening, uh, we're supposed to believe that these errors just kind of happened. And what they're telling you is that they're very outraged. They're very upset about this. But let's understand that it's just all an accident, right? It's, it's, it wasn't something that could have been anything other than accidental. This is just the way it is. So the system must have failed. There's nothing, I mean, there's nothing beyond that. And I would just tell you that asking us to believe that the handpicked by McCabe FBI team working on the most important politically sensitive case of the FBI's history, it's asking us to believe a lot to think that this handpicked FBI team made all these mistakes, all of which were very convenient mistakes for continuing an investigation of the Trump campaign that had been started on the flimsiest pretext anyway. And I'm here to tell you that I think they are asking too much to ask that we believe this. Here's what I think we will find. I don't know how soon. I don't know if we'll even know this in time for the next election. But here is my belief. And as you know, I am almost always right. That if they do a real scrub... If they do a real scrub of other FISA applications and the information that was known at the time, if they try to do some quality control testing of FISA internally in the Department of Justice, do you know what they will find out? This is my prediction. And this is assuming that they really even do this scrub the way that they say they want to. They will find out that, oh, there was an anomaly here that this particular FISA application involving Carter Page and the Trump campaign had far more errors and far more egregious errors than any other FISA case they looked at. In fact, I would offer that they would probably come back and say, wow, you know what's really surprising in all this? FISA court actually usually works pretty well because usually they're looking at either terrorists or spies and that's where the national security imperative remember this is all created for national security reasons essentially saying this is so important we can't go through the normal court process that's how important this stuff is carter page folks they thought was so important and so urgent to surveil him couldn't go through a normal court process with higher standards of evidence got to go through the special backdoor national security fisa process but they're going to find out that this was uh, an anomaly. This was a, an outlier. This was different than the other FISA cases. 
usually the FISA actually is pretty much the way it's supposed to work. I do believe that. I think that that that's most. And then the fascinating moment will come because we will see that there were all of these mistakes made, mistakes, including one intentional, willful act of fraudulent information given to the FISA court to go after a target that was tied to Trump. We already know that there's that one fraudulent act. But once we see that there were far more mistakes and also all mistakes that led to the perpetuation of that FISA warrant against the Trump campaign, then you would see in other cases. And and so this then was an outlier. And they'll turn around and they'll say, yeah, gee, I don't know. That's really strange how that happened. And the rest of us who aren't complete fools will look at them and say, right, this was not an accident. This was not just people who happened to withhold information that would have made it harder to get this FISA on Carter Page. Uh, This is not just people that happened to forget to tell the court that Carter Page was, in fact, working with our own intelligence community and trying to help them and be a patriot. And they presented him as a spy, knowing that they presented him as a Russian agent, knowing that. Friends, come on. We all know what happened here. They're going to pretend in the absence of a signed confession from one of these hand-picked FBI agents that says, yeah, I was part of a deep state coup and we were willing to do whatever we had to do in order to break the law and take down Trump. Does, whatever, whatever, they, whatever evidence we come up with and whatever circumstantial case, because we've been told about Trump, all the circumstantial stuff, and what about Marie Yovanovitch and all oh, it's so terrible. The circumstantial case for this, not as FISA mistakes, but as willful abuse of FISA to engage in spying on a presidential campaign. That circumstantial case is going to become overwhelming. It's going to be overwhelming very soon. Very soon indeed. So I would just note that here we are, friends. Here we are. Get ready now. Because when this information comes out, I already can, I know what it's going to say. And I know what they're going to say. Do you know why? Because we are already aware of the truth of what happened here. So it fits, it will fit into that chain of events. You got a bunch of FBI people who were just, you know, frenzied in their efforts to find Russia Trump collusion. They probably, some of them, I'm sure, believe that this was really happening and they hated Trump, they thought Trump was a traitor, and they stacked the deck in order to go after Carter Page and look at all of his communications and see who he was talking to and how they could nail somebody in the Trump campaign. And when we know all of that, they're going to come out and they're going to, and, and it'll be, I'll, I'll be sitting here saying, hey guys, how did I know this? How did I know that they would find there were far more mistakes in this very high profile FISA case than in any of the others they looked at? They just did a random sampling. People say, oh, but you can't prove or you don't know because they are denialists. They'll deny what we all know to be true. They'll deny what any intelligent person has already figured out. The FBI tried to take out Trump. That is what happened here, folks. They can deny it all day. doesn't matter. doesn't change the facts. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Libs, as you know, have really no sense of irony. Certainly the libs that are particularly interested in politics. Uh, I, I love this. So people, a lot of them don't remember this, um, that moveon.org was, which is now just known as a kind of left-wing activist site, uh, an activist organization, very, very far left and, you know, hates conservatism, America, freedom, the republic, all that stuff. Moveon.org was created. The name itself is all about move on from impeaching President Clinton. That's what it was about. Oh, we should move on from this. It's not important. It's a right wing conspiracy, all these things. And moveon.org put out a tweet today. It's official account just a couple of few hours ago across the nation last night. Hundreds of thousands said with one voice that it's time to impeach and remove Trump. So the organization that was founded to move on from the Clinton impeachment, because it's not important, thinks that this is now the moment it's really important to impeach Donald Trump. That today's impeachment down uh, party lines, which I, I will say Republicans seem to think this means that and we, we asked Ned Ryan about this before, and he has got his uh, ear to the ground on this stuff. Uh, but I'm seeing it from a lot of people that Republicans believe that um, there is there there will be a lot of House seats that are in contention now as a result of impeachment. So in a sense, thank you, Democrats. Good job. Good job. Um, I mentioned this letter that just went out yesterday from President Trump. It's amazing. It's a letter that's actually worth taking the time to read. It's like five or six pages long. I want to give you some of the highlights, though. This is this is our president. They say, not my president. I say, heck, yeah, he's my president. This guy's amazing. Here we go. From the White House, White House stationer, the whole thing. It's a real letter, real, real stuff. The Honorable Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House of Representatives, Washington, D.C. Dear Madam Speaker, I write to express my strongest and most powerful protest against the partisan impeachment crusade being pursued by the Democrats in the House of Representatives. This impeachment represents an unprecedented and unconstitutional abuse of power by Democrat lawmakers, unequaled in nearly two and a half centuries of American legislative history. The articles of impeachment introduced by the House Judiciary Committee are not recognizable under any standard of constitutional theory, interpretation or jurisprudence. They include no crimes, no misdemeanors and no offenses whatsoever. You have cheapened the importance of the very ugly word impeachment. This is fantastic. Uh, and he just goes in just paragraph by paragraph, line by line. Um, but here's here's one part of it that I think is, is particularly worthwhile. And it's a, it's a little bit long, but this is where the president gets to make his case of what's really going on in this country. I, I talked to you about this a fair amount. You know, we got all this. Oh, the president's impeached today. And they got all this focus on it. I mean, who really cares? Uh, what's really happening? What has the administration done? While they're doing impeachment, you know what else is happening? We're getting more and more federal judges put on the bench who are good Federalist Society approved conservative constitutionalists in the judiciary. Uh, the good news is that when you have the socialist administration of 
the next Democrat that comes along who actually wins office, who knows when that will be, at least there will be some judges who know what the law is and believe in the law. That would be a nice thing. But here is how the Trumpster himself, here is how he represents what's going on with his administration. Quote, this is from this letter that he dropped, letter dropped last night. It's amazing. You and your party are desperate to distract from America's extraordinary economy, incredible jobs, boom, record stock market, soaring confidence and flourishing citizens. Your party simply cannot compete with our record. Seven million new jobs, the lowest ever unemployment rate for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans and Asian-Americans, a rebuilt military, a completely reformed VA with choice and accountability for our great veterans, more than 170 new federal judges and two Supreme Court justices, historic tax and regulation cuts, the elimination of the individual mandate, the first decline in prescription drug prices in half a century, the first new branch of the United States military since 1947, the Space Force, strong protection of the Second Amendment, criminal justice reform, a defeated ISIS caliphate, and the killing of the world's number one terrorist leader, al-Baghdadi, the replacement of the disastrous NAFTA trade deal with the wonderful USMCA, a breakthrough phase one trade deal with China, massive new trade deals with Japan and South Korea, withdrawal from the terrible Iran nuclear deal, cancellation of the unfair and costly Paris Climate Accord, becoming the world's number one energy producer, recognizing Israel's capital, opening the American embassy in Jerusalem, recognizing Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, a colossal reduction in illegal border crossings, the ending of catch and release, and the building of the Southern Wall. That is just the beginning. There is so much more. Man. You never hear that really from anyone in the media, do you? I mean, a few people like me or conservatives will talk about it, but that's what has actually happened while the president is in office. And I would, I would love to have the experiment done where we can hear the, the opposite version of events, where people get to, you know, that people can tell us what scares them so much about this president because of all the terrible things that have happened. And you would sit there and you'd say to yourself, hold on a second. What? What is going to be, what's so bad? What's so awful? Exactly. Someone tell me. Oh, the president had some mean tweets about some journalists. The president did what exactly? He said nice things about Kim Jong-un or, or, or Putin. These are the things that we're supposed to be terrified about. I, I, I sit here and, and all I ever hear about why Trump is so bad is either just complete fantasy land stuff about Russia collusion and, you know, the emoluments clause, the 25th Amendment. I hear a lot of that. Or I hear people talking about tweets, comments, words they didn't like. Because the moment that you dive into the substance with this president, the moment you look at what's actually happening in this country, you recognize that things are actually going very well. And I say that to you knowing that it always sells better to talk about catastrophe or at least looming catastrophe. Oh, we're all, it's all going to go down. I mean, look, if a Democrat wins the next election, we're, we are facing a looming catastrophe. The markets are going to just, are going to freak out. 
You're going to have uh, Democrats in charge who are going to do all kinds of bad things. And look, the, the American economy and the American people, we're resilient enough that we can sustain. Look, we dealt with eight years of Obama and, you know, the sky didn't fall down and we're all OK. That would be true of the next Democrat, too. But it would be worse because Obama set a lot of the groundwork for the next Democrat socialist administration to follow through. Right. O- Obamacare wasn't really about Obamacare. Obamacare was about setting the stage for socialized medicine. And now what are we talking? Oh, Medicare for all. Now are we talking about Medicare for all? And they'd say that that's not technically socialized medicine. It is socialism, but socialized medicine, if you want to be formal about it, is when the government controls the means of production as well as the distribution of health care. So all of a sudden now your doctor is a government employee. Think of the DMV and now think of someone at the DMV holding a scalpel and your beating heart in his hand or her hand. That doesn't make me feel very good about things. That doesn't make me feel better about the future of medicine in this country. That is for sure. But Obama expanded government dramatically, expanded the debt tremendously, and also set a precedent for a Democrat president who can count on the media to run interference for him when he does things that he has already publicly stated would be flatly unconstitutional. But he will do it because he wants to do it. He'll do it because that sounds like something that will make him a, uh, a better, it, it put him in better standing with the left, even if it is shredding the Constitution along the way. Um, but this is, this is what we can all expect, my friends. It's going to get really bad if a Democrat wins the next election. And I have to, you know, I'm being a little too, and some of you are probably going to call me out for this, which is fine. A little too positive about Trump's reelection chances just because, uh, look, right now, if the election were held tomorrow, Trump would win. I mean, I would I would bet I would bet, you know, my my life savings on it. If the election happened tomorrow, Trump would win. I am absolutely confident in that. But the election doesn't happen tomorrow. It doesn't happen for quite a few months. And a lot can happen between now and then. And this is where I worry, folks, the one way. And this is a prediction that I don't like making. The one way that we end up uh, with a really unfortunate election situation in 2020 with perhaps even somebody who is a particularly egregious leftist of the Democrat field winning. The one way that I think it really does happen is if we hit a recession, just a downturn, just, you know, blowing off some of this steam from from what is a currently a a incredibly strong economy that's you know when people start losing jobs their 401ks are tanking there's you know a sense of financial uh downturn that everyone's feeling that's when uh, elizabeth warren or bernie sanders becomes a much more appealing candidate because remember when people when people get scared they don't blame the government they turn to the government when people get scared they want some assurance it's just a normal you know a, a normal human feeling you know you want someone to be able to take care of things when things are bad And yes, a lot of us as conservatives would say, well, we know that, you know, the scariest words in the English language are I am the government and I'm here to help to borrow from a man, Reagan. But most people will not feel that way. And especially if they feel like their economic uh, foundation is crumbling underneath them, which isn't even going to be the case. But that's how you know. Look, it's scary when you're losing money. You got bills to pay. You got mortgage to pay car payments. You know, it's scary when things turn turn against you in that way. And we've gotten a little used to, you know, we're getting kind of fat and happy as a country, financially speaking. We're getting a little bit too much 
you know, a little bit too much going our way. And I don't think people are going to take it very well, even if, like I said, I'm not talking about a, a depression or a huge, but just even a, a downturn that, that has a little bit of pain because the Democrat narrative, oh, they'll jump all over it. But absent a recession, I think we're looking pretty good. And here's the other thing. I don't think there's going to be a recession next year. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I just want to let it be known that producer Mark has called me out for uh, rubbing my beard while I'm on radio because he says it can be heard sometimes. So we'll stop doing that. It's not, I'm not intentionally, you know. I don't I'm think doing I'm, it for the listener, Buck. Nobody yeah, wants to hear that. I know, but I'm not trying to be like Gandalf the Grey over here. By the way, do you think that they were smoking weed in The Hobbit? What? Yeah. That's such a random question. No, it's not. They 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 smoke stuff and there's some like they make some comments about like, ooh, it gets me a little, you know. Yeah, so probably. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean if you're in the Shire, you're you're a little a, you know, a pudgy little hobbit who just wants to eat cakes and drink tea all day or whatever they're doing, and you just get to hang out, you know, I feel like you probably smoke a little weed. Yeah, and weed makes you drink eat a lot more cakes. That's also true. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, the, the Hobbit, there's some there's some stuff in there. By the way, have you seen Frozen? I have not. I really don't ever want to. I know I'm going to have never when you really have, have little, to. When you have yeah. little John or or little Miss Mrs. John, uh, the, the new wife, by the way, which is a thing because you've got a wife. Uh, but John? Who's John? I can't believe I just did that. Did you just call me John? I did. That just happened. Mark! Damn it! <laughs> I was like, you and John don't even look alike. No, not even close. But you know, I didn't mix up you and Brandon once this entire time, which yeah. makes me really And then really you happy. just throw in the third producer who hasn't been here in a year. I don't know. John hasn't been around in a long time, yeah. but I was like, you're like little John. What are we even talking yeah. about? You know, little John is a different guy. That is definitely not my wife's yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. Does, does Mrs. Mark carry around a chalice <laughs> and have rings on all of her fingers and and a grill? Yes. Yeah, that mm. I didn't see it at the wedding, but I yeah. don't know if that's she hit that's it for the she, wedding. Hit it well. Uh, what's by the way? Do we we already discussed? Do you have uh, what is the what is the Christmas movie of choice that you like to watch? Well, I uh, do not celebrate Christmas, but I do like Elf. Elf. Yeah, I like Secrets too. What's wrong with Elf? No, that's, that's what he says in the movie. Did you want me to say Eight Crazy Nights? Is that what you were setting me up for? No. What's that? You've never seen the Adam Sandler uh, animated movie? No. It's literally the, the only Hanukkah? Hanukkah movie, yeah. Yeah, but a lot of my Jewish friends still do the whole, they do like the fun parts of Christmas. Like I mean, they, I do like watching the movies, but I am the typical Jew that will go to the, eat Chinese food and go to the movies on Christmas, 100%. Ah. You know, non-Jews have started doing that. Not the Chinese food part, but they go to the movies. The movies are packed on Christmas. I'm thinking about trying to go with my family on Christmas yeah. to go see this World War One movie that's all shot exactly. in one shot. I think that could be, could be kind of fun, so... I was shocked like a couple of years ago. I went and I was like, what are all these people doing here? This is our thing. What is the best of, of the of the kosher food, like of uh, the of this traditionally no kosher food thing. options? I know you're going to ask what's the best. Yeah, what's the best thing? Do you like gefilte? I don't like gefilte fish. I don't like a lot of fish. Like I'll, I'll, most of the fish I like is not kosher. Because like the one thing I will say that like I've that. had um, from a previous relationship with somebody who was, who was a, a Jewish girlfriend yes. of mine, um, uh, the potato, the latkes. latkes oh, they're amazing. Amazing. Oh, so just traditional Jewish food in general? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Corned beef pastrami, you got to go there. Mm. A knish is amazing. Yeah, flour. I can't do that anymore. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering what, you know, because I think people, we, I don't know when ham became a thing on oh. Christmas, but it's become a thing. People have you ever had matzo ball soup? I can't flour. I can't. Is do, there in matzo ball soup? I think matzo's got flour. Yeah. Oh, that's true. It's got no um, yeast, but it has flour. Mm -hmm, You're right. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, but I've seen gefilte before, and I've always wondered who actually eats that. Like uh, who eat, who within the Jewish faith the is like I like Jewish I like people, gefilte. Yeah. Like my grandmother ate tongue. I didn't even know that that was really a thing that people yeah. did. And my mom likes it too. Uh, but like I've never heard heard of a younger Jewish person or anybody really eating tongue. Uh, I do like. I mean. Salmon and bagels. I grew up eating that a lot. Locks and locks, bagels. Locks, yeah. yeah, locks and uh, and cream cheese and bagels. Yeah. See, when you're in New York, like this stuff is all around all the time. You got a cat's delicatessen and whatever. But I was wondering because you know we eat ham on which I is obviously not kosher. Yes. We eat ham on. I mean, Christmas I do not Day. keep kosher bacon. It's my favorite food group. I mean, bacon is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was told by a doctor. I went in for a checkup. I was told by a doctor recently that. Um, that just understand that like the crispier the bacon, like the more likely, like the, just even that process of crisping it up creates carcinogens. And I looked at my doc and I want to be like, nobody lives forever, doc, you know? Yeah. You know, YOLO. You uh, want that crisp bacon. You have to have the crisp bacon. Yeah, you can't be one of these people that has the, you know. Also, I, I'm a I'm a bacon snob. I was, yes. I'm trying to I'm trying to convince people, stop getting that like stuff in the grocery store that's like the thin the pre-cut. cellophane yeah. pre-cut. Go to a butcher mm-hmm. in your grocery store is fine, but go to a butcher and have them slice the bacon thick for you and get the best bacon you... Bacon is not all the same. It's all delicious. It's like chocolate in that regard, but some bacon is like next level amazing. I've had it out to eat. Like you go to a brunch spot, a breakfast spot, the thick cut bacon. I've never made it myself. Yeah. The best I'm thing that go. they have, for example, the Trump International Hotel in DC, which is where all the conservatives hang out is they they have this bacon dish where it's strips of bacon that are hanging down oh. and they bring out a blowtorch in front of you. Wow. And they torch and it's like maple glazed and they torch the bacon. Even if even people who don't like Trump should go to the Trump Hotel just to try this one. Do they dish. have that in New York? No. Oh. I've never seen it anywhere else. So it's a reason well, for Well, cuz there's a Trump Tower here. I wasn't sure if it's yeah, a hotel. No, I, never I can't know. lie to you. The Trump Tower food's pretty terrible. Here? Okay. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. I don't know why they can't have better food there. Because it's New York. It's a tourist yeah. trap now. Yeah, it is. It is a tourist. <laughs> Anything trap. in Midtown has no good food. I mean, I, I've seen photos of like the Trump Tower Taco Bowl. It is not. It is not muy bueno. Didn't he on like Cinco de Mayo tweet out a picture of him eating it, and it didn't even look good? <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Remember, folks, you can watch what we do here in the Freedom Hut on Pluto TV Channel 248. The first also, the podcast goes out every day at 3 Eastern. So if you are listening on one of our wonderful affiliate stations uh, and you happen to be away from the station, you can always catch us on demand on the what? I I was going to give the listeners a tip. What's that? Well, I'm a little mad at uh, Apple Podcasts lately. Uh uh, Yesterday's podcast, for example, didn't show up till this morning. That's insane. So uh, a tip is to go to the iHeart app. iHeart app, yes. And every other app. Spotify was there. Everywhere else it's up. Within an hour of when I post it. Okay. So it's up even before 3 o'clock. So just a tip. I know a lot of people just have the Apple Podcast app on their phone. I'm guilty of it too. But all the other apps, you will get it much quicker than you'll get it on Apple. I get it on the iHeart app, folks. There you go. I like that. That's a good tip. 
Yeah. I'm very good at stuff occasionally. And uh, we're also going to let it be known that apparently it is not, we will not get into the details or specifics, but it is not producer Mark's fault that the audio levels are different with the commercials and with the show. Yeah, yeah. I would like to just a just, PSA we will go on the record. for the audience. We've, we've looked into this. It is not producer Mark's fault. We're just going to leave it there. Would you like me to explain or not? No, 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 no. You don't want to explain that I even went to the lengths of listening no, no, to see okay. what the problem nope, was? No, 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 no. We're just going to leave it there. Okay. You know, you know, no one, we throw no one under the bus in the hut, but producer Mark. Yeah. I was just trying be. to be nice to the listener and say, I did see your comments. Yes. And I addressed them. He is very, he is very, uh, very on it when it comes to yeah. all of your concerns out there, team. So, yes, it is not, in fact, some mistake we are making in here. That much I can tell you. Okay. With that, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to send the Facebook messages, or you can send uh, uh, Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. And here we go. Jar. Hey, Buck, I disagree with you in part that conservatives don't take part in boycott tactics. They're just not very good at it. At least the subset of conservatives known as gun people. I've seen calls for boycotts and like toward Dick's, Walmart, Starbucks, and many others. Yeah, but Jar, but we never, it never, we never do it really. So that's, I mean, so yeah, people sometimes, someone might say it online or somebody might make this claim on social media, but we, we never take action on it the way the left does. The left really will boycott. They will go after people's sponsors. They will go after their funding. And as a result, they have pretty close to platform dominance in the media space. And it's just troubling. It's, it's, it's annoying. Um, it's, it's a bad thing. But yeah, you're right, though. There are some times when some of these different media outlets will, I'm uh, sorry, when some of these different conservative movements will say, well, we should boycott this or the other, but it doesn't usually happen. Uh, Maurice says, respectfully, Republicans saying they care about the Constitution country is about as sincere as you saying you're not actually a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I love stupid libs. Yeah, I'm a fascist. That's that's I love it. That's awesome. I didn't even know we were gonna get that one today. Oh, good talk, Marie. Uh, good talk. Good times. I I wish I wish Marie uh, all the best living in fantasy land. That sounds like a fun place. <laughs> You're a fascist. Marie doesn't even know what a fascist is. Oh man. Uh, Kristen writes, producer Mark is a wonderful person. See? Producer Mark is a wonderful person. Thank Yay. you, Kristen. Yay. And he, he's come back, so we're all happy now. Diane, President Trump called Pelosi a third-rate politician, wagging a finger at him. Pelosi told him, you'll see what we can do. This is it. I listen to your podcast every day. Great show, smart, with a sense of humor, and history-oriented. Well, thank you, Diane. We try. That's what we like to do. Smart, sense of humor. History oriented. That actually could be like our tagline. That is what we that is what we go for here every single day in the hut. And so if we are achieving that, su- great success. Uh, I kind of miss I kind of miss Borat. It turned into such a frat bro thing for a while to be like Yigjamesh. I'm a Borat, and everyone did the accent really badly. But like it actually was pretty like it was a good sketch. Yeah, I used a gif of a Borat and the not one. Recently, not not. Yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of miss it. That I was mean, hilarious back good. when I was twelve. He's excellent in this show, The Spy. Have you seen The Spy? No. Oh, you and the misses would enjoy on what, Netflix. Uh, Netflix, okay. Definitely check. I it always out. need it's recommendations. Very, very, very well executed. Very like very realistic spy. Can you take him seriously though? Yes. 
He's okay. excellent. Because you know. Yeah, you of course. Yeah, you have to be like, but yeah. I'm a spy, my name is Borat. Exactly. Like, no, no, that's not, it's not like that at all. He actually does a really good it's job. It's like when uh, George Costanza tries to play another role. You don't, he's just no, George. No, I know, you can yeah. never. Well, the good, there's some actors out there, like there's Vince Vaughn, who just always plays Vince Vaughn. Yeah. He's like the same guy in every or like movie. like The Rock is the same in every yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah. Apparently he eats so much cod of a certain type of like wild wild uh caught you know line mm-hmm. caught cod that they've like run out of it in his wow. town or, or his city or i don't know i've read something about how they have rock have you seen like... his cheat meals no like he posts them on youtube or wherever it is insane he'll have like 50 chocolate chip cookies like the huge ones pancakes pizza like insane really yeah you should check it out it's that sounds like, like that sounds like nauseating fun. to watch. I've just got to put on like eighty pounds, a hundred pounds of muscle, and then you can. And do then that. I can do that. Yeah, that's that's no MBD, no big deal. Jeremy, oh uh, here we go, There's another one. Buck, I for one am on team producer Mark. <laughs> Brandon is good, but I'm skeptical of those who claim Guns N' Roses is the greatest band ever. I appreciate the bluntness and confidence of producer Mark. The podcast audio levels are fine. People need to stop whining. Nobody cares about your feelings. Shield tie. There you go. Jeremy has spoken, and I like what he said. Yeah, exactly. You know, Jeremy's a smart guy. It's it's all the Jeremy's, and Jeremy's one of our uh, one of our squad that's listening in every single day. Derek, Buck, I know this topic is uh, this is off topic, but I need to know where you stand on term limits. I studied poli sci in college and comparative politics. We learned about Mexico and their one party system. It had term limits and their politicians became weak and their party bosses got stronger. I know we have a problem with nepotism and name recognition, but I think this could be fixed by giving kids earlier civics lessons so they learn to play more of a role in their democracy. But I really think term limits, I really don't think term limits are the answer to you. You know, Derek, it's interesting. Very few people take the contrarian position, especially on the right, about term limits um i'd want to think a bit more about it i'd want to give it some i'd want to give it a bit more of a of a deep dive and uh, it seems to me that term limits would change the game in ways that are very very helpful and would be better for a cross board because you wouldn't have this permanent political class i mean one of the stories today for example on the drudge report just had to do with how the wealthiest suburbs in the united states are the suburbs of washington dc now what is the business of washington dc it is government why have we allowed for the creation of this permanent government class that is not only empowered and then empowers itself to stay in power, but also has become so lucrative and has become this enormous business? The business of government should not be business. And yet that's what we see happening. Um, nepotism is just uh, that's a principal thing. I just find nepotism really annoying. I do not approve. I do not like it. Uh, so there is that. Um, I don't know if we can ever get rid of that. I mean, there are nepotism laws in some places, but you're talking about, I assume, last name recognition. You know, Bush, Gore, Kennedy, Clinton. I mean, this this uh, preference that people have for well, I've I've heard that person's name before in a political context, so I think I'm gonna have to support them for office. I, I wish that that were not the case, but people do do that. Um. Here we go. Chopper writes, thank you, producer Mark, for returning. The audio levels were completely normal when producer Brandon was in control, but now Mark is back. The commercial volume is way lower than the show and is soothing to my one working ear. Note, a blessing most people will never know is sleeping with your good ear buried in a pillow. It's the most pleasurable silence 
for sleeping ever. Chopper. Okay. Well, Chopper's happy producer Mark is back, so. Yeah, I think he is. Right? Yeah. I think he insulted me, but I'm not really sure. I couldn't tell either. Yeah. I don't know. I like his name, though. Yeah, Chopper's a cool name, for sure. So we got to give him credit for that. Now we have, let us see here, Anthony. Anthony writes, about being a whistleblower in the DOJ. Um, All right. Anthony, I'll have to read that on my own because it's a bit long. Scott, as someone who worked as a bouncer for almost 30 years, (laughs) I can tell you that Roadhouse has been the bane of my existence, especially since I was only 6'1 and 210 pounds. If I only had a dollar for every time I heard, you're kind of small to be a bouncer, I'd be able to retire early. Keep up the good work and shields high, Scott. Oh, man, Scott. I just, that movie is like, you couldn't it's just you couldn't remake it today it would just be so silly it's about like the toughest country bar ever and you know i mean today they would just like put a couple undercover cops in there and like the whole thing would shut down i mean it's just like it would never happen but although the i will say the lead actress in that movie is fantastic fantastic i don't even know what happened to her but uh she was very well very well cast in the role her thespian skills were exceptional. And, and even uh, Sam uh, Sam Elliott, right? He's like, I'm Sam Elliott. I sound kind of like gurgling with gurgling, but a little Southern. Kind of down here like this. Uh, Sam Elliott did a very good job, too. I get a little sad when Sam Elliott doesn't make it, doesn't make it the distance. Matthew. Hey, Buck. I know I message you a lot, but I love you all. You too, producer Mark. Just want to let you know that I celebrate my birthday on the 28th. Happy early birthday to us. Well, happy birthday to you, Matthew. And uh, and thank you so much, man. And producer Mark appreciates all the love. And he's, you know, he did love Jamaica, but he's happy to be back here in the hut defending America and doing cool stuff. Kevin writes, uh, Team Mark chiming uh, in. Um, producer Mark rocks got a shout out to the former producers amy and ty who were great back in the day your team has always been great well thank you cam i'm a kevin rather but yeah so there we go i mean i don't want to toot my own horn but i'd say i'm the uh, best producer you've ever had uh, i mean you yeah. know there we go the man speaks the you, man you're not gonna agree no the man speaks uh, truth of all course right. all right of course come on you're only saying that because i'm in the room no 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 look now we look at all the all the cool th- apparently you come on board and we actually can put a podcast out early enough that people can listen to it and so we have uh, skyrocketing podcast numbers and yay i'm gonna take all the credit there we go bethany i was just listening you mentioned the movie dirty dancing one of my favorite 80s movies i just showed it to my middle school daughter it's a very pro abortion movie I had no idea of that as a teenager. Parents with teens should realize this. Bethany, I didn't. I've never seen the movie, so I don't know anything. I didn't even. I didn't even know the storyline. I just know nobody puts baby in a corner, and I know that dance move where he like holds her up in the air. Yeah, exactly. I had no idea. The and, most and the I song, know about exactly. time of my life. Yeah, that's all I, I, know. I know. Odell and Eli did the Super Bowl commercial last year, oh, two so years ago. I didn't even. Yeah, you, I didn't even see that. you didn't even want. You don't even watch the Super Bowl. Wow. No, I know. That's... I know. It's like I'm barely American. What do you do during the Super Bowl? Like, there's nothing else on. Yeah, I don't know what I did last year during the Super Bowl. <sighs> I did not watch it, though. It's sad. It hurts me to speak to you about sports sometimes. Mm-hmm. All right, now we're going to the inbox. The Team Buck inbox here. 
Let's see what we got. Um, let's see what we got here. Patricia writes, hey, Buck. Um, I've been a Twitter follower of Sean Davis since I heard your interview with him on your show. I've noticed he hasn't tweeted anything in a couple of days. I'm wondering, has he been suspended? Um, Patricia, I don't know that, but Sean is Sean's Twitter game is fierce, so uh, I can say that. I don't know if he has been suspended. I don't think so, but I'll, I'll check in with Sean. I actually had tried to have him on the show uh, earlier this week, but he was uh, out. He was busy. On the impeachment front, I have come to believe that Hillary Clinton, hello, may be behind this whole charade. She and the Democrats have never accepted the results of the 2016 presidential election, and now they're trying to sow more disarray and propagate more lies. Anyway, I listen to your show every day. Keep up telling the truth. Credibility is still important to some of us, Patricia. Well, thank you so much, Patricia. I, I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the show. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, huh. We have Kate. Merry Christmas. Deployment shout out, please. Hey, Buck, my boyfriend Ryan and I both listen to you every day. He is OSS and got me hooked a few years ago. He's deployed downrange over Christmas, and I was wondering if you could pass along a Merry Christmas to him and his guys during roll call. And of course, Merry Christmas to the Freedom Hut. Thank you, Kate. Well, absolutely, Kate. A big Freedom Hut, Merry Christmas, and Shields High, and God bless to Ryan and all of his uh, fellow soldiers deployed downrange. And uh, we're thinking about them this Christmas. We thank them for what they do. And uh, I'm honored that Ryan and so many other folks in the uh, armed services listen to this show. It's one of my great points of pride. And Kate, Merry Christmas to you, too. And thanks so much. So shout out to Ryan deployed downrange over this Christmas and a big hug, big hug and a Freedom Hut. uh, Merry Christmas to Kate and Ryan as well. Let's see here. Grizzly. That's a cool name, too. We got a lot of cool names here. Commie Bear Rock San Francisco Saturday night in the subject line. Team Buck, I actually believe I saw your first show, uh, Saturday show, on The Blaze and have been a fan ever since. OSS Shields High. Well, thank you, Risley. Yeah, it's been a while now. Then we have a hard rock band that producer Brandon would love called Clout. We played a show on Saturday night, and I rocked my Commie Bear t-shirt. Commie Bear was happy. Because he was at home in San Francisco, I attach a couple of photos. Keep up the great work. That's awesome, man. He did send some producer Mark. He's got he's got the photos up here on the phone. You got to you have access to the inbox. You yeah, I'll have too. to take a look. But he's got a black commie bear T-shirt on. That's amazing. He looks good too. Looks good on stage. Risley, were these sold by us? Like, yeah, we used to. We should start the merch store yeah. up again. I think there might be some stuff that we still sell, but not. We should really get after. We this should a bit more. We should. You ready to take that on? Shield. Are you ready to take put on your little capitalist hat there? We're going to get this going. All right. Anything that uh, helps line my pockets a little more. I'm into it too. Exactly. This commie bear shirt, though, Risley looks fantastic. Thanks for being OSS Shields. Hi to you. Man, the show flies by every day. So we do an amazing show here in the Freedom Hunt. Buck Sexton and Co. We rock it. Um, thank you so much for joining. We are going to be uh, live tomorrow and Friday, obviously. Is today Wednesday? Yeah. We're going to be live tomorrow and Friday. We're going to put, uh, put some, hopefully, uh, new content out next week. We'll see about that. We'll have updates for you. Until tomorrow, though, Shield's high.